Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Welcome back to Liberty Mail. I'm Aaron Jenks. And I'm Grace Riley. And we are live in the underground studio here at Grove City College, representing the Institute for Faith and Freedom. And it's good to be back for another day. It's good to be back for another podcast episode. Um, We want to, again, remind you that the annual uh, conference is coming up for Grove City, and it is post-Row America. And so it's going to be really exciting. On April 13th and 14th, we have a set of uh, speakers going to be uh, in Stick Hall in Shaw. And so we're even going to be in uh, the atrium of Shaw working and being ready for you guys. So come check us out. You'll see the Liberty Mail set up. And then also what uh, Grace and I have been working on is the keynote speaker on Thursday night in Crawford Hall at 7 p.m. is Abby Johnson. Yeah, and that's going to be really exciting. Abby Johnson's going to be great. We're hoping to have a lot of students there. So just be sure to check that out. You can check out more information about how to register and attend the conference and the keynote at the link in the description below this video or wherever you're listening. So you'll definitely want to check those out um, and attend those events. Yeah, and especially for those who are SVP on Grove City campus, Grove City students, be on the lookout for a free T-shirt, a free Grove City Institute for Faith and Freedom T-shirt. Pretty epic. Yeah, it'll be great. So just moving into the episode today, today we're just going to talk about some key things in the news that are going on. There's quite a bit, and at the time we're recording this, hopefully these things are still relevant. They very much should be. So just to start us off, um, the Senate on Wednesday passed a GOP-led resolution that would end the COVID-19 national emergency that has been in place since 2020. And the measure passed in the upper chamber, upper chamber 68 to 23. Now, my first initial thought hearing this is, as I'm sure most others, most other people's thought is, well, you know, this should have happened a long time ago. I mean, it's 2023, two years later, or three years, like, finally, now we're passing Mm -hmm. this. Um, So it went through 2020, 2021, 2022. And now in 2023, finally, they're ending the national emergency. So I mean, I, I think it's about time, but I think it just shows how ridiculous the response has been from our leaders. Oh, left or right, I think everyone agrees that the gears of government move pretty slow. And especially on COVID as a topic, it has moved uh, tremendously slow. And so you go back a year ago and the House tried to pass legislation, which was bipartisan. It had uh, 11 Democrats joining the Republicans and it passed the House, but it got killed in the Senate. And so it's nice to see that at least it got, it made it through the Senate and also had some uh, Democrats joining on the resolution. And now the tricky thing is uh, President Biden and the White House the White House has said previously that if a bill like this came to the White House and came to uh, President Biden's desk, that he was going to veto it. Now, this past week, with uh, the news of the bill passing the Senate, his uh, press team has said that if it does indeed come to his desk, he will pass it and continue to work with federal uh, agencies to decrease and wind down on COVID measures. Well, absolutely. And I think what I think of, too, is just the detrimental effect that all of this has had on our nation, on people, on their livelihoods, on the economy, um, and on so many other things. Uh, That's irreversible, and the damage that has been done by a lot of the policies and reactions um, to this has has been quite serious. I mean, throughout the years, through shutting down the whole country and the economy, um, and even now the CDC is coming out and they're saying finally that they're, they're kind of pulling back on some of the vaccine things because of 
negative uh, side effects and responses that they have now found from it. So they're pulling back on that now more recently, saying that younger people don't need it, which a lot of people thought was given before. But I mean, now they're pulling back on that. Uh, Finally, now this is not a national emergency anymore, but the entire thing is just, it's very interesting, but it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. And as you were saying, like, it seems that it should have happened last year or it should have happened around that time yeah. frame. And so those are where the gears of government come into play. But then also uh, I'm looking and in, looking into this bill passing and, and reading some things coming out of the White House. And it's some it's really interesting. A couple of political uh, writers took on that. OK, well, uh, the Biden administration used the declaration of national emergency through covid and really it uh, hinged that on to the loan program, the student loan forgiveness program they were doing. That's currently held up in the courts. And so a lot of people uh, have been writing over the past week that they really think that this is the Biden administration. If he does sign it into law, that they're kind of giving up on that student loan process. Well, yeah. And the whole idea of vetoing this in the first place just shows a lot about political motives um, in general, just deciding to, and, and again, he now it looks like he maybe won't, but just the statements of vetoing a bill like this is just crazy, um, just from the get-go. But, um, yeah, so a lot of interesting things coming out there. I'm hoping that this is the end of uh, our discussion on COVID personally. <laughs> I think a lot of everyone probably agrees that, you know, we've we've talked plenty about COVID and it's, it's people don't want to hear it anymore. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been the main priority, I think. Uh, it's been the main priority for certain politicians for the past let's say year to three years and so this ties in really well with I think moving forward is the GOP and their top priority which uh, House Speaker McCarthy has announced he named this bill HR1 and if you for you don't know uh, certain bills can be labeled HR1 through 10 and so the one is often uh, holds significance for this is a top priority for the GOP and uh, for hope maybe the Senate pushing forward but it's targeting energy in America moving forward with how we uh, export and then also develop our own energy sources in America. And so it's super interesting, in my opinion, to see that uh, they're moving forward with this because, and I think it really ties into so strongly of how they've been, people in America have been hit at the pumps for the past two years. And prices have come down a little, but if you look what they were six years ago or or four years ago, um, it's still up by a couple of dollars. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really significant, the damage that's been done to America's energy independence um, with the Biden administration's policies that they've put on this. And the significance of this cannot be diminished. I mean, it's really, really impacted our country. Uh, Just a quote from Representative Steve Scalise, uh, which is interesting and just kind of points to the frustration a lot of people have, saying that on day one, Biden declared war on American energy. He killed the Keystone Pipeline. It was because the president was against pipeline. It, w- it wasn't because the president was against pipelines. He was just against American pipelines because just days later, he greenlighted the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So mm-hmm. it, it really is interesting, and, and it's caused a lot of problems, as we'll get into more. And so let me just dive into the bill a little bit more, is that uh, the legislation titled the Lower Energy Cost Act passed in the House uh, 225 to 204. So it included four Democrats joining, um, two of them from Texas and then one from Washington and Maine. And so we have one Republican abstaining from the vote. And so broadly speaking, um, 
the bill seeks to bolster fossil fuel production and exports as well as domestic mining, which is a little tad bit that's gone under the radar, and also aims to speed up the approval process for energy and other infrastructure projects. And then um, some of the House Republicans have decreed or, or at least made statements that they believe uh, certain measures in the bill will limit the president and the uh, presidential administration from making further actions like they did in the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. And even again, as you said, with gas prices and hiking up our prices and, you know, the impacts it's had for Americans here. I mean, every day you can kind of see the impacts that that's had on our economy. Um, So it's it's good that we're moving in a direction of trying to counter the policies that have been put into place. Um, but Biden is still now coming out with more things in opposition. So, And I really think there's a lot of consensus on this issue of energy in America, either production or exporting. We had a year ago where Senate Democrats really pushed a bill uh, targeting this, but it got shut down by the Republicans because they believed that it didn't go far enough, although bipartisan talks have continued over the past year. And this is where, okay, now on the House end, we have uh, the GOP making a push for a similar bill, but... Uh, Senate Majority or not Senate Majority Leader, House Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer has made very clear statements that this bill will die if it reaches the Senate. Yeah. I made a mistake there. But Chuck Schumer, sorry, will, has made that statement that uh, he will, he called it a dead bill on, when it comes to the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how that works out. And even just today, the Wall Street Journal is reporting oil prices jumped the most in nearly a year after Saudi Arabia-led group of producers unveiled a surprise production cut. So, you know, this story is developing and we'll see even as this episode comes out in a few days, what's changed. Mm -hmm. And even you have uh, some of their House Republicans uh, hopping onto the Washington Examiner and writing their own op-eds. Representative John Curtis and Representative uh, Marianne Annette uh, Miller Meeks <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, po- posted that they said they really believe that it will deliver lower emissions, lower costs, and more energy independence in America, and even have the possibility of uh, creating something similar to the Keystone Pipeline in the future. Exactly, and we wouldn't have to worry about a lot of these, you know, problems with the prices and the shortages. We wouldn't have to worry about this if America was prioritizing energy independence um, and producing more American energy. So that's you know, a really significant thing again. Mm-hmm. And now on the other side of this argument and the, the flip side of this coin is at the same time the GOP is, is making the push for, uh, you hear the word on a lot of uh, social media or anything, is energy independence coming from uh, the GOP. And then you, you hear uh, kind of talks from the left side is that, okay, no, we need to go towards clean, cleaner energy. And so you have this uh, division, but then it's very funny in my, or it's kind of ironic more, is that the... Uh, Biden administration in the past week, as this GOP bill is introduced, they made uh, substantial first uh, investments towards meeting Biden's EV goals that he passed, uh, I think, two years ago now. And this included invest- heavy investments in the millions and billions from Amazon, Google, and Wells Fargo. Um, so they're making their, he said, pre- President Biden's goal is to have 50% of all new vehicle sales be electric by 2030. And yeah. so that is a complete just uh, different direction and doesn't include kind of the broadness that the GOP is trying to introduce into the energy solution. Yeah, which and, and that's going to cause a lot of problems in itself. And, you know, electric vehicles have their own issues and their own environmental, um, you know, tolls that they take. So 
it, it's that's not going to fix what Biden is, you know, advocating for it to. Yeah, and I, I, in my mind, I, I just don't. I haven't read as much as I would like to on this, but it does not make sense where a, a comprehensive bill cannot be passed where you do include EV measures while also expanding uh, drilling processes, uh, plants in America, because right now the percentage of drilling is just so much offshore. Um, so increasing maybe what the GOP is trying to do in this bill is increase uh, federal land drilling, uh, just making it able for companies to have an easier process, uh, not jumping through so many hoops. And then also, I think you can include uh, just a variety of different, maybe even including nuclear uh, energy. But it just seems that the Biden administration is so set on EV being the answer to the energy problem that we're facing. Well, exactly. And and as we've mentioned, um, you know, just throughout the episode, there are a lot of problems that then arise for Americans and for our country and our strength as a nation as a whole um, through all of this. So hopefully, uh, again, we'll see what happens with this bill, but good that it passed. And um, I guess we'll see how what happens going forward with it. Yeah. And just one more thing is that it's interesting because you have companies. Okay. We have uh, actual car manufacturers uh, dedicating lots of resources Mm -hmm. and then the federal government granting or giving grants to these companies. But then the weird thing for me is that you have Google and a company like Wells Fargo and, and the only kind of information coming out in articles is that they will provide up-to-date information about availability and coverage and uh, supply tools and resources to business leaders. So it's weird how their hand is tied into this, but um, there's a lot of money going around with the EV process. Um, I know even the, the, the one grant, I think, was for $7.5 billion, yeah, $7.5 billion for electro, electrical electric vehicle chargers around the country. And I know so many people got tax credits for that. Even my uh, sister and my brother-in-law did it. And I don't blame them because, I mean, that's, hey, I get a new car, but I get eight grand off. Um, but there's a lot of money being thrown around. And like I said, it's, it's very, I think, stubborn to think that this is the one solution that we need right now uh, versus having a comprehensive bill that kind of includes maybe a variety of, of options. Yeah, and, and again, there's al- there obviously is a tug of war for control here and what the best way to have control is. Um, and I think, w- yeah, I, I mean, I think that through this, as you're saying, we'll see what happens, but it, it's this kind of thing is not going to help fix the problems that we have. We have to focus on kind of broader having putting our energy independence back uh into place in a sense and prioritizing that mm-hmm. and good for the i think i think it's a good strategic move for the gop to put that up as number one right now uh heading into the final two years of of the biden administration yeah absolutely and it's of course very important and its impacts are strong um so just to end today any more closing thoughts we hope that you guys ha- all have a great easter um this weekend we will, we're both going home and looking forward to spending time with our families. So Yeah, very much so. So uh, enjoy the message that, that he has risen and the, the grave is empty this Sunday. And I do, I do wish you a happy Easter, time with the family. It is a, a good time to reflect on the truths that we know in our faith. And thanks for tuning in to Liberty Mill. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great Easter and see you next week. For more information on the Institute for Faith and Freedom, visit faithandfreedom.com.